Ready or not, here I come. Hi, welcome to Care to Listen. Care to Listen is a series of podcasts made by care experienced children and young people in the UK. We are travelling across the UK talking to care leavers, experts and activists in the field of childcare who are fighting for better services, rights, equality and understanding. We are celebrating foster care fortnight with another one of our podcast interviews. Okay, tell us what part of the country we're in today then. We are in the Midlands interviewing Yousef Paul McCormack. Yousef is an artist, poet, a doctor, foster care, part of the Care Experience Conference team and Care Experienced himself. Welcome Yousef. Do you want to start by telling us a little bit about who you are and what you do now? Okay, hi. As you rightly say, my name's Yusuf Paul McCormack. Um, <clears throat> a little bit about me. Um, so, currently, I'm an artist. I, I write. I, I write verse. I do spoken word. And I go and speak at various events. I occasionally lecture at universities. Um, for anyone, really, who would like to listen to me. Um, my background, I suppose, is that... Um, as a, as a family, um, I'm a father of five children. One of my children we adopted as a very small boy. We also, as a, fa- as a family, we also foster as well, which we've been doing for close on, coming on to seven years now for local authority. And it's something that we love doing. Um, and I also spent 18 years in the care system, from birth till... They told me, go. <laughs> so that's pretty much me. So, Yusef, you grew up in care. Do you want to tell us about your life growing up in care? I can do, yes. Um, I grew up in the 60s. Care wasn't really perhaps a good place. Certainly not when I grew up. So I'm the product of what you'd call a mixed relationship, hence the, hence the unusual name. Um and children like me weren't really accepted in society. Society wasn't prepared to have children of mixed um, race as such. So I was put into an institution. And unfortunately, institutions back in the day were perhaps run on different lines, we'll say. They were a little bit more barbaric. They certainly were very regimental. Um, and punishment was very physical and very violent. And they wouldn't be able to get away with it today. But that's the way life was. Can you remember how it affected you at that time? I can. Uh, so as a, as a child, I, I learned by the time I was six, two things had happened. I'd learnt silence and I'd learnt not to cry. Um, because I grew up in an abusive environment, so both physically, sexually, emotionally, very, very damaging to children... And it was it, it was just rife where I grew up. Um, what it did to me was it took away all my confidence. It meant that I, I grew up thinking that I certainly wasn't good enough. Um, and because of also the racial element on it, I even felt I wasn't good enough because we'd constantly have to scrub ourselves clean. 
Um, yeah, what did it do to me? It, it really, I suppose, it shaped my outlook. I, I grew up thinking that adults aren't kind. I certainly grew up thinking that nobody likes us as children. Um, I, I certainly learned very early on about trust, i.e. don't trust anybody but yourself. Except for some of the kids who I grew up with. They, they were my family, so they're, they're, they're the ones who I trusted as such. I couldn't trust the adults who were supposed to care for me. And I didn't therefore trust the social workers who were supposed to come and look after us because they didn't. So, yeah, that, that I would say is really the backdrop and the lessons that I learned growing up in care. Do you have any fond or funny stories from your time living in care? Or do you remember any particular people that you live with? What I will say is that um, some of the guys who I grew up with, they became my brothers. And they still are my brothers even as we speak. And I'm very fortunate that sort of once I left, uh, I lost contact with quite a few. And then probably my, I'd say my late 20s, I started reconnecting with some. And now I probably would say I'm in contact with about 30 plus, but roughly quarterly, at least every three months or so, a group of us still get together. Uh, so my children refer to them as their uncles. Their children refer to me as their as my, as my I'm their uncle. Um, and we have a very close bond. And my wife would say this, that despite the fact that I can now talk, um, up to my, certainly my mid to late 30s I still was a quiet chap uh, I really didn't comment an awful lot I had an awful lot of thoughts but what she always says is when we all get together we're very loud uh, we all over talk uh, we all finish each other's sentences off and we laugh an awful lot she says which is you know um, very different to really who I am as a person but uh, that's what you get when I think when you live very closely with somebody and for me they became my family you know I wrote something and I actually stated blood is but a detail that's all it is actually for me they're the guys who I grew up side by side who experienced the same things as me um, didn't all deal with it the same as me but you know we're, we are where we are what do you think helped you to become the successful man and parent that you are today? I, I've thought about this one. And I, and, I, and I sort of smile because it's a difficult one. It depends on how you measure success. I suppose what I did do when I left care, um, I actually dissociated myself with anyone else that I grew up with because I kind of cottoned on. I've got to go into the big wide world and if I'm just mixing with other guys who I grew up with that's that will become my world so I'm in the workplace I need to start socializing and learning to socialize because little things like I didn't know how to necessarily make relationships outside of my own network so that really was what I aimed to do um, I also wanted to prove everybody wrong so everyone had told me basically, you know, you're crap, you're going to prison, you're going, you'll be homeless. And I was homeless for a short period of time. But, you know, that effectively my life was a waste of time. So part of me inside my head was, you know, two fingers up. I'll prove you wrong. Actually, I think I'm better. Um, and I think what drove me was 
this urge to I decided to buy a house so at 21 I decided right that's it and bought a house and I thought right now again two fingers up you can't touch me now it's mine these are my bricks these are my more this is my mortar um, and went on from there and when when I when I married and had children um, that was a difficult one I'll be perfectly honest that's probably the most difficult time and, and being a dad has always been difficult for me um, as my children were born I had conversations with them whilst I was still small i.e. newborn because they couldn't answer me back and I had to tell them things I told them things about myself I thought well at some point when they're old I'll reveal but I, I, I said to them you know I, I really when I held them I told them that you know these hands won't hurt you these hands will always be gentle with you um, and I apologise now that I won't always hug you as much as I should because I don't know how to and I want to tell you I love you and I want you to try and remember this even though I'm sure you won't but I do love you I just won't say it very often because I don't know how to and it's because emotionally I, I still think I was very stunted um, but I think I was aware that I wanted to do right by my kids um, and I've enjoyed fatherhood I have enjoyed it as much as it's been difficult I enjoy it and I've made it all up as I go along because I haven't had a role model so all I've thought is actually as a kid these are all the things I really hated okay I'm not going to give that to my kids you know I'm strict about certain things but um, I'd like to think I think sometimes I think I'm a bit mad so that's good um, and, I, and the one thing I've really tried to make sure that they all can do is talk and that I'll listen to them and that if they worry about something their worries are important to me and I'll try and I won't necessarily make it better or cure it but I will do my best to support them w with whatever concern they've got so mm. Was there anyone who stood out for you that helped change or improve things? I'd like to say yes. Um, but I think there were moments, there were moments um, as I grew up. Um, and perhaps the people who should have been there weren't. So, that, you know, there was a, a shortfall there. I, I, I won't say I was fortunate with teaching staff because teachers also continued in the same vein to those that looked after us but I did have one or two so I, I still would say at the age of seven um, I won a prize my first prize ever um, for sewing the boys used to have to sew you see so I won a prize for my needlework there you go but what I remember and I remember I dreaded it because I was called up in assembly and um you know, all the parents are there and everyone is clapping everybody else. And I thought, who's clapping for me? Nobody. And I dreaded it and I walked on. I still remember it and I can still feel it. Walking onto the stage and I just put my head down. And then I could hear one person clapping and I kind of peeked up as you do. And that was my teacher who, who's dead now. But And she stood up and she clapped and she had smiled. And, and for that, that particular moment, I thought, yeah, I'm the same as day kids. And that's a, just a reference we refer to anyone who didn't grow up in the children's home as a day kid. So. And for that split second, I thought, yeah, I'm as good as a day kid. I'm a, uh, yeah. So, and it was just occasional snippets like that where, uh, and it was usually a teacher who kind of said, you know what, you're smarter than you think. And, you know, my, my first instinct was, yeah, right. But 
it was still quite nice to receive you know somebody just a bit of affirmation really somebody said you're all right as opposed to all the negativity that sort of came my way um i i, I will add to it though um because i i also i despised and i mean despised with a vengeance social workers so my view of social workers really i i got what they were supposed to do but i i realized very early on that they didn't but I will say now as an adult, I've actually come across some individuals that I really think, wow, why weren't you around when I was a kid? Because actually you could have been the difference for me. You are described as an artist now. Do you think your creativity allowed you to understand what happened to you while you lived in those situations? Um, it's another label. I have a big thing about labels. Um, I... The first piece of art I did, in fact, was around labelling. And it's all the names that I was called as a child. Um, and creativity, uh, from, a, from a creative point of view, I suppose, um, I would say this, uh, and you may be surprised about this, I hadn't picked up a paintbrush since I was 12 years of age. So it's, it's only been just over, just under two years ago I first picked up a paintbrush. Um, and that's in part because some of the kids I grew up, we were real, what I, what I considered then real artists. And perhaps that's my own understanding of what art was. What I have found is this. Um, I, I had what they call an epiphany moment in November of 2015. And that was in November 2015, I, I decided to write a little something. And I wrote a very, very short and small verse. And I read it aloud. And for the first time since I was six, I cried. And I cried, and then I, I cried almost solidly for two days. And it wasn't just tears; it was there was a pain. It was it was so it was very very painful, um, because I, I kind of opened this door of all these things that happened to me as a child. And then I sat down and I just wrote and I wrote and I wrote, and I must have written about two hundred verses uh, at various sorts of. Not all of them were complete at that time. And then about a year later, I started looking again at the verse as I, as I was trying to develop it uh, and thought, you know what, in my head, because I think in pictures and then I, uh, from the pictures I get words uh, and I thought, I wonder if I could just do a sketch and it, sort of, and it just went, it snowballed from there um, and I enjoy it. I actually, I really thoroughly enjoy it. For me, it's a way, it's cathartic in the sense of... Um, I'm very, it's very peaceful for me when I'm doing it. As a way of expressing things that have gone on, it, it's very good because it, 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 it's very physical. Um, so in terms of that, that actually touching something and, and, and creating something, there's a sense of satisfaction. Um, and it's interesting, I'm, I'm, you know, it's interesting that other people will say, well, you're an artist and all the rest of it. I think I'd done my third exhibition before I'd even say okay I'll, I'll take that title because I kind of felt a bit of a fraud because I look at what I do and I think oh, all right okay I do it for me um, and then if other people see it they will read whatever they want to read into it but I enjoy it and I found that um, as a way of expression it's a great way of doing it. So, you know, and if people can find a way of expressing sometimes emotions that you do bottle up as a child, especially when you grow up in, in, in care, you're not always free to be able to express everything. 
Um, you know, there are lots of fears. There are lots of fears that if you express something, well, are you going to be told to move on? Um, or people are going to say things to you and actually they're going to confirm that maybe what you're thinking is true or not true. Um, and, and all it will do is increase anxieties. But I, I find that actually people can find a way of dealing with it. If they can do it through talk, brilliant. If if they can find that writing verse, do it that way. If they want to act it, they want to paint it. And I think the arts are a great way of actually, just just from a personal level of therapy, you know, without having to pay extortionate fees to go and see a therapist. Yeah, I think, you know, you're doing it yourself and you're doing it at your own pace. Um, and I've been very fortunate enough now to meet other artists who've got similar backgrounds to me um, that um, express the same way. Um, and it's interesting. I, I've never come across so many creative people. But I've got, I've got an idea about that. And the idea is this. My own thought, admittedly. Um, I actually think kids who grow up in care automatically become creative they have to because we're coming from a backdrop of chaos usually and in order to kind of be accepted by society we have to be creative in what we say we have to be creative in our behavior because not we we get from a young age that actually people aren't always accepting of us and it's wrong to be able to think that but i deal with reality and reality tells me that unfortunately that's the way people view um you know, I still get asked, I've turned 50, and people would still say to me, if they, if I ever disclose I'm from care, not everyone, but it still happens. What did you do? What, what do you mean, what did I do? Well, what did you do to be in care? I said, well, I was born. No, 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 you must have done something. No, what do you mean I must have done something? I was born. So there's that assumption still that actually if you're in care, you were the bad one. But actually as a child um, as any child that comes in no child gets a choice we don't choose we don't choose who we're born to and we certainly don't get to choose choose our circumstances or that we can end up in care situation and people kind of need to remember that it's not our choice and therefore don't put that level of blame or stigma or shame to us to us because it's it's not nice to carry you have many children in your life now. Do you want to tell us how that makes you feel? Um, <laughs> I do. I, I say I've got five of my own children. and We're currently fostering um, two little ones, twins, um, which is good for me because my first children were twins. I suppose it's like this. I, I've only ever known environments with lots of children, so I'm used to lots of activity lots of noise and and lots of um voices as such so um i like quiet i actually do like quiet but i find that i can function when there's a lot of um energy and and, and, and lots of activity going on i like children i suppose that's the thing um i i enjoy what i do in terms of fostering um and part of that is yeah there's a little bit of it that I'm doing what I felt should have been done for me. Uh, so the, that has to, you know, that that features. But actually, I get an awful lot of pleasure when I see 
kids coming into our house. So any child that joins our house, they join my family. I don't call them foster kids for a start. They're not. They're just a kid. So I, I, a lot of the language that's still associated with children coming into the care system, I, I will. I book the trend. I won't use it because these are my kids. Uh, therefore, I will advocate for them, especially younger ones who can't speak up. I'll speak up for them, and I don't care really if I'm a pain in the, the in the backside for their social worker or, or our local authority. I really don't care because as long as these kids are sorted and uh, you know their lives are made easier, um, and I I won't. So far, we've been fortunate in as much that every child that's come here has stayed with us until their next move and their next move has been their permanent move and that's either been through to family back to family or to adoption i don't believe that children should be pinged from place to place i don't like it because all it does it sends wrong messages and as somebody who's been part of that um, movement and going from a to b to c to d and so on um, it leaves a bad taste in your mouth so i like children I like the joy, the joy of children. I like the fact that children keep me grounded. And kids are great, because kids will tell you straight away, kids only do black and white, they don't do grey. And they say it as it is. And if they don't like you, they say they don't like you. And I'm, and I'm okay with that. Um, and bottom line is, all, kids are just kids, and okay, circumstances are circumstances. But you know, bottom line is, is that they still need to be loved. They still need to belong somewhere. Um, and, I, and I don't get it you know when people sort of make reference and, and kind of use the language which separates them so yeah uh, I don't know if that's really answered that one but um, I, I just I think kids deserve you know I, I suppose how I'd look at it is this is, and I said this about my youngest son in particular and I should probably say it about myself but all children when they're born all children have got one thing in common. They all come with what I call hope. And that's it. And the hope is that they will be loved, that they will be belong to a decent family, and they will be nurtured, and they will be guided, and all the rest of it. That's all they come with. If they're lucky, they'll get a name, and they'll get a name that they get to keep. And if the family is, is okay, they'll get to stay with that family. But that isn't, that isn't the case for a lot of children. A lot of children also then there are difficulties and then they can end up in the system so I see part of my role is actually to reinstate that hope and actually teach the children that we get it's okay that you can be loved that you actually are important um, and I celebrate the smallest of achievements because some of them have never ever been told you know you're okay so yeah if you had a message to send out to all children and young people growing up in the care system, what would it be? Oh, say a lot. I'll, I'll give you a nice polite version though, um, and it's this: is that just because of your situation, it doesn't. It really doesn't have to define you. It's a period of your life. That's all it is. And have you have to remember, you didn't choose it. But what you can do when you become of a certain age, you can choose who you want to be. You don't need to be hung up by any of the labels um, or the opinions of others because that's what they are, opinions. They're not yours. You know what you're capable of. 
you know what you can do and go and do it and nothing should stop you you can actually achieve whatever you want to do and I'll say that as somebody who has achieved perhaps later on in life but that's you know and maybe with a bit more support I may have achieved it earlier on in life but I would say yeah, you can be anything you want to be um, and if you if you if you push it push it but that and don't be afraid to ever ask for help because there, there are people who will help did you always think you would look after so many children in your life was it an ambition I don't know if it was an ambition. It was something I'd thought about, even as a kid. I'd thought about, you know, um, I, I never thought I'd want to run a children's home or anything like that. Uh, but I always thought I, I certainly would want to adopt. That was so, that, that thought had always stayed in my mind. Um, uh, when I met my wife, one day we were talking and, and she was telling me about her parents and that they at one point had considered adopting um, a child from Vietnam and this is going back into the sort of I think late 70s early 80s where there's a lot of refugees coming in and a lot of those were unaccompanied children um, and she said that you know she had also thought about adoption or fostering and really from there we, we just talked about it and decided you know what take the bull by the horns rang the local authority that we lived in in Birmingham at the time and said you know okay let's talk about adoption and um, so that journey we went through that journey um, and we adopted our youngest little boy um, and you know people sometimes say well is he different no he's not he's my son well is he if he's naughty is that because it, no it's nothing to do with him being adopted if he's naughty it's because he's naughty if he's good it's because he's good it's as simple as that his character is his character um and like the character of all my other children you you learn to find the good bits you learn to deal with the bits that you think like okay we need to work with those um, and it then felt a natural progression to decide to go down the fostering route you know, and the benefits for me and us as a family have been that my children talk about maybe when they're older, certainly the younger ones, but my older ones about, well, actually, at some point, we may also foster. Because um, they, they they love all the kids we have, and, and again, they treat them as, as, as if they're just part, part of the family, uh, which is the right way. Do you think parenting your own children helps you to heal from the past negative experiences? Um, I, I don't know if heal is right. I think it made me acutely aware, actually, um, of what I didn't have. I think that was, that was the big, that was the biggie, really. And it was a reminder, it reminded me, I, I suppose it not confused me, but it made me think an awful lot about well, why would you want to break a child, not just physically, but why will you want to try and destroy a child emotionally? Um, because that was my experience. Because I would look into the eyes of my child, and if I tell them off now, I, I, you know, I'm not that soft. But if I still have to tell them off, I have not anxiety, but I, I find it difficult to eat. Um, I, I sometimes I sometimes have to take myself off and go for a walk or something just to kind of reprocess 
and, and just think, well, was I being harsh there? Have I been, you know? Um, but equally, what I always will do is I'll apologise to my children because I never heard an apology in my in my childhood. I never got told that I'm sorry I got that wrong. All I, all I got reminded was that actually, you know, kind of I'm right and, and you're definitely wrong, sort of thing. Um, so yeah, and and also the other thing I suppose is that when I look again at my youngest son, I, I also look at that that experience of what we're doing with fostering and actually how it's helped him and it's helped him understand that just because he's been adopted um, in fact actually it also means that his family can still have loved him and that he can still love his family you know and he'll say to us that you know it's okay if I love my my, my first family and I say absolutely because they, they're, they're still your family so kind of that's helped him seeing the children come here because you know he doesn't know all their stories but he gets that some of the children um you know they've had difficulties but he understands enough to to see that their families love them in their own way maybe not as first priority but and that's helped him so yes how do your sons and daughter get along with your foster children they're very good with them. So I've got two that live at home and I've got three that have left home. Um, the two that live at home really enjoy them. I certainly th I think sometimes it's because some of the, a lot of the children we have are a lot younger than they are. I think it's an opportunity to play with toys. <laughs> to treat That's what I always say anyway. Um, but no, they, they, they do enjoy them. And I think what it's taught, it's taught them things about patience. I'm not going to say it's taught them that they're more privileged or more luckier. I think it's given them a degree of recognition that not all households are the same. So I think probably there is some appreciation there. My older children love any child, and it seems to love all the children we have. So any, any children who stay with us, they're invited automatically to all the big, wider family parties, and they get included. So with all the other celebrations going on, well, and when I say the whole family, it's a big, sort of wider family now, and they all will they contribute and they they make special dates for these children, and rightly so. And I think you know it's that inclusion, um, and I know we we had one little boy who talked about so. You know, this one's my sister, and this is my brother, and my brother, my brother, my brother. And I said, yes, and I've also got my other family. And I said, that's right. And and actually, think of it like that, because and he, and he he's and he's he was coming up to four, and he says, so I belong to this family now. And I thought, brilliant, you've got it, you belong. That's it, you belong. And he 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 became a very happy boy from somebody who was very troubled when he first came. So. I think it's the whole family have to do. You can't. I can't do it in isolation, or my wife do it in isolation. If my kids aren't going to get involved, then it ain't going to work, is it? So, yeah. It's foster care fortnight. Have you got any messages out there to anyone who's thinking of fostering? Um, I would actually say this: that we've been fostering now for close on seven years. I still would say it's been the best thing. And I genuinely mean that. The best thing that we have done, on a personal note, the personal satisfaction I get of seeing a young person or young child coming in to our household 
And they're feeling unsure, they're feeling a bit bewildered, really, you know, they're in a house with strangers, different area, different voices, different noises. But to see a child actually change and become the person that they were supposed to be, to see a child actually get that they've got something of value within them and, in fact, can do stuff and can achieve, um, just even, even to see a child smile, um, you know, for me, it's the small little things sometimes actually mean a lot more than, you know, the big expectations. Um, I, I would actually say, you know, you have to look into your heart. Don't do it. Never do it for money because there's no point. Um, do it because actually you love children and that you want children to succeed. Um, and I use the word love. Never be afraid to tell a child. And I don't mean on day one. It might be a month in or whatever, but if you if you really have strong feelings for a child, tell that child you love them because all children need to hear it. Wow, lovely to meet you, Yusuf. All the best of luck for the future from all of us at Fathers Fostering. Thank you very much. Pleasure to meet you as well. Thank you for listening to the Five Rivers Care Telesim podcast. This podcast has been produced by the members of the Democratic Group, representing the views of people from Five Rivers Childcare Limited. Music by Rick Flow, track Hide and Seek, courtesy of Rick Flow.